are good to go. With more of the Matt Wyatt Show. Coming to you direct and live. Back with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau, go! With the home team, Will says, Matt, we need country pleasing here in Huntsville. Well, why don't we see what we can do about that, Will? i tell you what. i tell you what. Will, you, you find me someone who owns a local grocery store there. We'll just start there in Huntsville. Okay, and email me, Matt at mattwyattmedia.com, and we'll get the ball rolling. <laughs> no guarantees, but we will at least start to see if we can roll that ball. How about that? Thanks for tuning in here. Hour number two, off and running. You can call, text, or comment like Will did on the Murray West live thread. If you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter, hey to y'all, type in a comment, post it. I'll be able to see it right here. We'll get it in on the show. Thanks to C Spire, the number one network in Mississippi. C Spire, customer inspired. Yeah, our phones, we were standing on the cord and we we lost our connection with Mad Tiger. Um, but he reiterated on the country pleasing text line that he is a Dion fan. You know, and I am too. I really am. I'm a Dion fan. Um, I don't I don't read I really never have read, you know, motivational books or you know, the self-help type books. Um, so, I mean, that's just not my, you know, probably it's, it's not a Dion thing. It's just a type of book or a genre of book. I, I wouldn't read or I don't read a lot of books. Frankly, the only books I read are history books. <laughs> it's just, it's the one kind of book that interests me. Now, um, the self-help deal is... I'm not saying this to be crass or anything, but I really do believe 100% everything that's in me. The best self-help you can go through is read the Bible. I mean, there's your self-help is whether you feel like it or not, discipline yourself and sit down and read that Bible. It'll be the best help you ever got. <laughs> I promise. Because I've been there myself. But uh, so it wasn't that. I'm a Dion fan too. I've even been told in lots of places I shouldn't be a Dion fan, but I am. I got nothing against him. We were just having a little fun, and I thought it was a heck of a line from Beaver. The title of the book, Elevate and Dominate, Dion's book's coming out in March, Elevate and Dominate, 21 Ways to Win on and Off the Field, and Beaver had a great line that apparently one way to win on and off the field is to not play Stanford. I mean, it's sports. We can't pick on somebody for losing. All right, Jason in Flagstaff, Arizona, Texas show. And he says, I'll say this. He says, even though I think it'd be foolish to fire him, talking about Arnett after one year with everything considered, he said, if it's already in the mind of the AD or the president, they might as well go ahead and do it ASAP and can't let the wheels come completely off while thinking about it. Yeah. And then there's that personal accountability thing, too. That's the tough part. You know, and Jason, for someone like me who hey, just my personality is probably a good reason why I'm not an athletics director, is the personal side of it is very important, I think. It would be more important to me. And I might be a little more prone to make decisions based on the person 
and not the bottom line business. And I'd be okay with living with that. It might get me fired as an AD, but that's the way I would feel like approaching it. And I know that, you know, probably a good portion of your fan base would say, you know, you couldn't have an AD who looks at it and has personal, you know, emotional ties and stuff. They got to make bottom line business decisions. Okay, well, fine, get that person. It wouldn't be able to be me because it's hard. It's a hard job. And it ain't like you're paying them that much. I mean, look, $3 million a year, okay, before taxes in Octibaha County go a long way. I get it. But he's at the bottom of the heap in terms of paying SEC coaches. I mean, they're all making more than him. So, But I do think it's a different day. It's a different era. And it's, it's funny how we were talking about it, but they got a tough job in front of them. Arnett and his staff, because you're going to a place this weekend, Arkansas is a better team than State, has been all year. Now, in the open date, maybe State flipped the switch and, you know, will come in there and, and come to life and and win a game, and maybe that's all it takes, and then you can go to Auburn and win a game. And But you look at what they're up against. This is an Arkansas team that I'm not making an excuse for them you know, they're not going to win a conference or anything like that this year. They probably are going to fall below some of their expectations this year already. But here's the thing. They're a lot better football team than their record would indicate. That's just the truth. They went to Baton Rouge and lost by three. Fought LSU right down the wire. They went to Oxford, lost by seven, held Ole Miss's offense to 27 in their own stadium. They went to Tuscaloosa last week and lost a three-point game. They've been competitive on the road against the same teams that State hasn't been competitive against at home. This is a better Arkansas team. This would be a bit, this would be an upset if State can go in there and find a way to win it. That's just the truth. So they got that in front of them. You lose another game, then what? You know, trying to fight, scratch and claw and get better. And what is in their eyes, I'm sure in their eyes, what is the the beginning steps of putting a program together, all the while with each week you don't win, the outside noise gets louder about, hey, just go ahead and flip the switch. See, and 10 years ago you wouldn't do that, right? Nobody's flipping the switch after one year. You get to coach through that. But, and maybe you do, maybe you don't now, though. That's the thing because of all this different atmosphere that you're in. And we've got an example out here at Colorado, one example. I know it's a different a very unique example. This is Deion Sanders we're talking about. But he went in there and cut basically 50 to 60 guys. Cut them. Told them to leave. And brought in 50 new ones. And doggone if they aren't better. They're not world beaters either. But they're better right now. Oh, and by the way, he gets a lot of attention. It's good for the brand and the program getting attention. And it sells tickets and raises donations. That's that's experiment is going to affect some athletics directors around the country. All right. Over to the phone line, the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment in Madison and in Jackson, your Kubota dealer. Patrick on line one. What's up, Patrick? What's up, Matt White and Beaver? What's up, man? Hadn't heard from you in a What's while. Up? How you doing? Missed you guys, man. I'm listening to you every day, my brother. 
I'm just working, man. You know, work keeps me from calling. And I finally <laughs> got a moment, so I said, I'm going to call. There you go. So, man, I listen all the time. Listen to you in Vicksburg, too. Yeah, I was in yeah. Vicksburg last week. Yeah. Hey, I saw a good high school game in Vicksburg last week, uh, Vicksburg at Warren Ooh, Central. Almost up there, wasn't it? It really was. And listen, Vicksburg, they've got a good team now, and they can run. they yes, got they some do. guys that can run. Yes, they do. They got some. They got some speed guys. Yeah, that receiver. Hey, Matt. Uh, I think he wears number eighteen for Vicksburg. A receiver. Uh huh. He had two phenomenal catches in the game. The first one, he he made this great catch on a jump ball down the field, and then he got up celebrating, and he took it too far, and they flagged him fifteen yards. <laughs> and the coach got all over him. And late in the game, when they got the ball back in the fourth quarter. He made a one-handed catch across the middle that it might it's one of the best catches I've seen in high school in a long long wow. time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's good. Matt, got a lot to talk about. Can we get to it? Let's go. All right. First, you were talking about Arkansas State. Hey, let's that's hey, Arkansas the best five loss team in the, in the, in the, in the country. Don't you don't when you agree? I, I would say that based on who they lost to, you could definitely make that exactly. argument. You could definitely make yes, that argument. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Should have won the BYU game. Sometimes that's all it takes is one game to screw you up. Mm-hmm. Get over the hump in the LSU game. We talking about a different season here. Yep. You know? Yep. They've been in they just about been in every game. Yep. So yep. yeah. All right. What I want to get to, Matt, is three things. I'm gonna be real quick with it. One um, I'm a USM guy. Hey, I'm not happy. Yeah. And yeah. but the guy, he don't have to worry because we ain't got no money to hire another coach. So he, we'll we'll keep him around. We'll give him one more year, and maybe we should give him one more year. I don't know. His his problem is this, Matt. He came in with the hard his personality. I like the guy. Know his dad. Know him. Know he he's a good ex and old guy. He got to get his guys in there. Uh, hopefully, he uh, hopefully he will. Um, here's the deal with him: he is too much of a personality in the sense that he oversold himself. That's why I'm mad at him. He, every time he gets in the camera, he's trying to sell us on something. Don't sell me anything. Just coach, okay? Don't coach. Don't sell me anything. Just go out there and and that's why we can we can look at him. And we can be so upset with him. And then here's another thing. The margin of loss. Other than that homecoming game, the ODU, we have not been in any of those games. Right. Any of those games. Yeah. With, well, so, and, and so I didn't get to see the not one. Not happy with him. Well, and I didn't get to see the one last night. But, you know, what do you, in your opinion, what do you chalk it up to? Like, um, oh my God! And I know that's that's a oh. tough question because and nobody can and even if they had the answer they'd be fixing it. But it's just hard to figure I, it out. I, I, well, I will tell you this, Matt. From looking at them, it is the line play. Uh-huh. It is offensive line. It is the line play. They have not played up to par the way that they played last year. That's why they struggle on offense. You can't do all them fancy plays. If you ain't got the horses pulling the wagon, mm-hmm. I mean it. It come, and the same thing on defense. If you not if you not stabilizing that 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 offensive line with them linebackers that can come in there and make those tackles and make those plays, or you or you put pressure on quarterbacks uh, mm-hmm. to help the coverage, you're gonna get pounded. 
they it's the line play. They don't have the horses to pull the wagon on the offense and the defensive side. That's where he's lacking. Mm-hmm. That's 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 exactly where he's weak. He's weak at. Um, but let me say this, Matt, and I've been wanting to say it for a long time. I am mad at the NFL. I'm mad at the NFL for letting these players is wear anything and anything they want to wear and how they wear it. I'm old school. I believe in the professional attire. The socks look the same, uh, clean. I don't like this ragtag high school, college look. It's okay in college. It's okay in high school. But that is not right for the NFL to let these players have these T-shirts hanging out like Keenan Allen the other day, letting these socks hang down. These guys, white socks all the way up, no two-tone uh, NFL colors. That's what we know. If it was good enough for the old school guys to wear uniforms, why is it not okay for these new school guys to look uniform every Sunday? I don't like it. Right. Another thing, Matt, and I want you to talk about this. I think that 12-team playoff everybody's excited about and should be excited about, it ain't going to be all that in terms of what it's going to do to college football. Hmm. It's going to kill the Bulls. It's going to kill it. Yeah. It's going to kill them. It's going to kill them. It is over the way you see it. And here's another thing, too, Matt, that they didn't count on. How is it, how is it important now to be healthy going into the playoff stretch it is for you to try to secure a championship in your conference. But at the same time, you got to secure a bid. But at the same time now, you got to be healthy going into the playoffs. Because we talking about a minimum of three wins, mm-hmm. four if you don't get to buy, right? Right. That's a, that, the NFL don't have to do that. Right. I mean, we're talking about 15, 16-game seasons. People can talk about the NIL. NIL ain't going away because you're going to have to pay these players. You basically now got college football on pro style. Mm-hmm. That's the way you're going to look at it. All this playing for scholarships and all this that everybody's complaining about, the good old days, there are no good old days with a 12-team playoff. They should have went to 16, 8 at the most. 12 teams is going to kill it. If you don't make the playoffs, you're not going to be a successful coach. And now you're not going to let your alumni be able to go to a bowl game and be successful because you don't kill the bowl. I mean, if you're a bowl sitting, you're struggling already. Your your key now is to secure a bowl, a, a playoff site, a, a playoff site, just like they do in NCAA basketball. This new 12 game system is good for TV, good for revenue, but it's bad for college football. Watch, it is not going to be the same. It's going to be a college football killer. You know, um, I'm out. Hey, thanks for the call, Patrick. I appreciate it very much. Uh, call me anytime. And it, and I mean, it's okay. It sounded like Patrick had a period of time with some things built up. <laughs> he wanted to get it get it out. Um, I get that. All right, over to back over to the phone line two. More bully hanging on. What's up, more bully? Man, how's it going, brother? Just right. I know. Hey, I have a a statement, and I have a question. Okay. And then I'm going to get into something else, okay? Okay. I have a bit of a problem, too, with you. Okay, all right. And my question is, how big a boy are you? (laughs) (laughs) Big enough. (laughs) Now, um, uh, you know, I'm too big. That's what it is. If I'm telling the truth. That's it. I'm too big. I know this. 
I'm too yep. big. And then Thanksgiving, sure and then Thanksgiving's coming, and that ain't gonna help. And all no, be- between no, now and then, Halloween no. candy that doesn't help. So I'm I'm, get, I'm big and no. getting bigger is what I am. That's what we all do, isn't <laughs> it? Except for Beaver. Yeah. Hey, I have a question about state. All right. And okay, I understand how we've looked. I get it. It hadn't been the best of of a good look on the field, right? Right. But in all reality, Matt, and I try to be a real what did we expect to be at the six game mark? Yeah, right. I mean, were we expecting five and one or something? Well, no, no, I don't think I don't think very many right realistically were thinking five and one. But it's just the look, isn't it? Um, it's that's just the it. Look of the kids on the field. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's it. It's how well and how competitive have you been, right? I, you yeah. know, and and things can yeah. change. You know, this is still college football. Um, things can really change in a hurry week to week, but more bully, basically what we're talking about is from state's perspective, they've had way too many times when either side of the ball or at times both sides of the ball just haven't really been competitive. Mm -hmm. And if you compared it to a team like Arkansas, it has looked different at times there. Now, okay. Also, you would agree it probably should look different for a fourth-year head coach in Sam Pittman versus a first-year head coach in Zach Arnett, right? Yeah. It should. Yeah. And yeah. that's probably why Arkansas fans are good and upset themselves is, look, we don't want to hear how close we've been. We want to win a three-point game instead of losing it. But if we were comparing, say, Arkansas to State, Arkansas goes to LSU in Baton Rouge and loses 34-31. Right, I mean, state hosted L- state hosted LSU, lost at home forty-one to fourteen, and that score makes it look closer than it was. <laughs> That's true. I mean, Arkansas That's just true. Arkansas just went to Tuscaloosa last week, lost twenty-four to twenty-one, and dominated the second half. Okay, the week before, state hosted Alabama and lost forty to seventeen. It was not competitive. And so uh, yeah. that's the deal, more bully, is no, we're not yeah. nobody's sitting here saying and, and fans aren't saying that. What they're saying is even with losses, we thought we'd look a little more, I don't know, adequate than we have. That's that's the argument for most people. The only problem I have, and you touched on it earlier, is I think he should have figured out a way to stay in the A rate. I mean, that's all we'll know all his life, right? And if he could have figured out to keep it for a year, I think we'd be looking at a different team. You think so? Personally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Hi, buddy. Good to talk right. to you. Good to talk to you, too. I appreciate it. See, See and and I'll be honest, more Bully, like in the early part of the year for State, that really was the conversation was – Offense and the change and 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 how it looked and everything, but it sort of took our focus away from the defensive side of the ball, which is really where the issues are. Uh, well, they got some, you know, several issues, but defensively, the injury issues, which 
really make the depth issues pronounced and obvious. Um, yeah, you know, you got older players at safety. You did lose a couple of starters off last year's team at safety, and that a, and then coaches got shuffled around, right? New safeties coach. But the inability of your defense collectively, but I mean, we focus on secondary, but the inability of your defense just to, we're not talking about getting interceptions and points and turnovers and stuff and three and outs. We're talking about your your defense forcing incompletions. Pass defense efficiency. State is last in the SEC in that category. Now, some other teams have given up more passing touchdowns. Some of that may have to do with who you play and who you haven't. But um, opposing quarterbacks are averaging, averaging through six games, opposing quarterbacks are averaging 74% completions. I mean, it just, it it's crazy. I mean, it's just crazy. That's last in the league, obviously. Okay, State's defense. 74% completions against State's defense. That's 14th in the SEC. You know, it's 13th. That's Vandy at 68. State is the only SEC team allowing over 70% completions as a defense, and it's at 74. I mean, it ain't like it's 70.5. That's how bad it's been. They got to get a lot better in a hurry with what's coming up. Stick around. Do you crave your sport? It's often difficult to satisfy that special hunger. Not here, because you've got Matt Wyatt. Oh, I am starving. Don't worry, he's got a menu full. Back with you, I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Feel free to text, call, or comment. Love to hear from you today. Got a little bit of time, about a half hour left with you here today on this Wednesday. Game week, headed to Arkansas this weekend. And, uh, you know, it's what, every other year we go to Fayetteville. We used to always play in Little Rock. It seemed like for several years when Arkansas would host state, You'd play in Little Rock, and uh, I'm trying to think. In my when I was in college, in the '90s, I was on the team for five years, and redshirted that first year, but dressed for all the road trips. And we so in that time, the way it cycled in during that five is we had three road trips: '95, '97, and then '99. And uh, we only played in Fayetteville one time, and the other two were in. Little Rock. And I guess they're still playing, what, one game a year in Little Rock? Maybe? I always thought that was neat. I, I understand why, you know, recruiting purposes, other things, different schools who had these, like, neutral site home games in their states, I understand some of the reasoning why they got away from it, but I always thought it was pretty neat. You know, in the state of Alabama, the, it, it used to be that Alabama would play home games at Legion Field in Birmingham. When they stopped that, they stopped that in about ninety. Oh, 
five, six, somewhere in there. Maybe a little after that. Of course, uh, I think Arkansas is still playing a game in Little Rock every year, aren't they? Maybe. But it's a neat thing. I understand why they might necessarily do away with it. I do remember I enjoyed whenever we would play in Little Rock because we they uh, we stay at the Peabody in downtown. Nice hotel, good food. Yeah. All right, listen, we got to cover it. Uh, I'm going to tell you some of the headlines that came out of the hearing in Washington, D.C. yesterday with NCAA leaders, college leaders, the leaders of some collectives, and then, of course, congressmen. I'll give you those high points. First, though, texts that I have failed to read to this point. Ready? <laughs> Here we go. Stephen, first up on the country-pleasing text line. He says, Matt, I haven't been listening, so you may have already talked about this. State has one more win for sure. Says, I watched Southern Miss last night, and I have never seen anything that bad. The final was 55-3, to and it wasn't really that close. They shut it down in the third quarter. Says, I think State has to win two conference games to keep the fan base. I'll be in Fayetteville Saturday morning, and we'll see how it goes. Well, listen, I, I think um, – how do you feel about it, State fans? You go ahead and chalk that one up. <laughs> I didn't see it last night either. I saw the score, uh, of course, and Southern Miss now one and six on the year, and they were, you know, projected to be a a better team. And it's like, you know, they started off fine against Alcorn State, beat them forty to fourteen, but then ever since giving up sixty six points at Florida State, it's like I don't know if that did it or if I don't know. Look at these scores though on this six game losing streak for Southern Miss. 66 to 13 Florida State. 21 to 3 to Tulane. 44 to 37 loss to Arkansas State. Uh, 50 to 36 to Texas State. Then had the 17 to 13 loss to Old Dominion. It's looking up and lose 55 to 3 to South Alabama. And South Alabama's a good team. They're good. They just are. But I mean it's not like they're undefeated or anything. In fact, on that side of the Sun Belt, on the west division of the Sun Belt, which is where Southern Miss is, Troy and Texas State are both 5-2. and two. South Alabama is now 4-3 and three after the win last night. Yeah. So it's, it's looking pretty rough uh, for Southern Miss. Because Will Hall right now. State's sitting there at three wins. And if you can – you got to win three more to get to that bowl-eligible mark, keep your streak going. That would feel like putting a little bit of – Sav on the season, right? And what has been a rough start to the year. Three and three, I say rough, but rough just because, you know, it's, what is it, three whippings? <laughs> I mean, it's it, not not really. I mean, they were competitive at South Carolina, but uh, defensively just couldn't couldn't do anything that night. Two whippings and a close one. How about that on the road? But you got Auburn and you got Arkansas and Auburn back to back, and you know with Kentucky at home, Ole Miss at home, A and M on the road. I don't know, like it's there. It the possibility is there, if you can just get a good bounce or two and 
and and play better defense as a whole, just as a whole. And you know, and I don't know if that's taking some more chances. That's one thing I talked about this morning um, in in a conversation I was having about state is like somebody said, well, what do you what do they do from here? What do they do going forward from here? And we're talking about like if if you get in some games where kind of like in basketball, where you know that. You can't play man-to-man defense against them. You got to pack it in and try to play a tight zone. And they have shooters. You're just going to challenge them to shoot the ball, knowing they're going to hit some. You know you're going to be in a shootout. It means you got to be aggressive. You're going to take some chances, and when you get a shot, you're going to take it. And that may be where it is for state some going forward. I I do feel like they were making a little progress, a little bit of progress on the offensive line. Um. You can see some of that even in that Alabama game. It's just they have so far to go. You know, to go on the road to places like Fayetteville and Auburn and A&M, that's tough, man. That is tough. But that's it. You got to figure out a way to pick up a conference win, conference upsets, or any of them. The rest of the way going to be you know, considered upsets. In regards to the offensive change, Resdog texts the show and he said, you can't keep an offense for a quarterback that only has a year left to play here. It says no one ran the air raid like the coach that passed away anyway. Just stop that dumb talk. That's from Resdahl. And, yeah, I, I think it's – there's a lot of truth in that in that you know, nobody was going to probably run it and call it quite the way that, that Mike Leach did. Uh, he was the only one – still doing it the way they did that air raid stuff 20 years ago. All the Mike Leach tree guys, uh, Lincoln Riley and Holgerson and all those guys, had their own tweaks on it, you know, and, and had modified it or, you know, in different ways. So, you know, at, at this point, I'm almost tired of talking about it. You know, it's, at this point, it's kind of an is-what-it-is thing. Um, talked about it then, at the beginning of the year, you know, there was no, from the look of it, there was no mild transition or, you know, relying on the splits up front, the same type of protection and same route concepts, calling it and just mixing in the run more. <laughs> it was not that. It was full on, get rid of it. And um, and you live with that decision and, and try to make the best of it. And I'm sure it's part of a plan and, like we said earlier, there may even be parts of that we hadn't even talked about. I mentioned this in the first hour, but I started thinking, you know, yeah, previous deal, air raid system under Coach Leach devoted a lot of numbers on the roster to the offensive pass catchers, probably more so than other rosters. And part of the decision to change the offense could be that, you know, you modify it, you go back, yeah, you're going to have tight ends, but you're going to have fewer in the wide receiver room and maybe that gives you two, three more scholarships you can devote on the defensive side of the ball, like on the defensive front, because you still have the limit of 85. That's just something to consider. Somebody texted the show and said, I made the trip to Vietnam with the famous Maroon Band in 1997. Said it was the first time we'd ever played them there. Oh, gosh, I didn't know that. You know what I remember about that game? Um, I remember the grass was dead and they had painted the field green. <laughs> and everybody's shoes were green after warm-ups. Sure was. 
Because I guess that was more common back then. Steven Texas show, and he said Arkansas used to play the first and last home game in Little Rock. He said he saw some brutal fights on that golf course at, outside the stadium in Little Rock. Most of the fights were their own fans fighting each other. Yeah, that's it. They had that municipal golf course you know, right up adjacent to the stadium, and people would use it to park on and tailgate on and stuff. You'd always see that going to those games. That's it. Hadn't been there in a while. I'm trying to think, what's the last time? I guess 16? No, 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 not 16. When is the last time I went to Little Rock? Shoot, it might have been 13. The year that State won it in overtime, Damian Williams, a backup quarterback, had that run where he ran it in in overtime. I think that might be the last time we went to Little Rock. So that was 13, 15 in Fayetteville. It was 51 to 50 in Dak. Uh, had a great game throwing the ball. That'd have been 15. 17 was back in Fayetteville. It was the next to the last game of the year. They had fired Brett Bielema. Went back there in 19. Yeah, that's it. So the last time we played in Little Rock was 2013, 10 years ago. How about that? All right, I'll give you those NCAA Congress details. I think you'll find it interesting. Some stuff that you might not have heard that came out of yesterday. What did the NCAA focus on in their arguments? I'll tell you, coming up. Stick around. Wednesday. It is Wednesday, October the 18th. Glad to be with you. I'm Matt in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Beaver's here. Thank goodness he's here. Glad you're here, too. Got a reason to have a show because you're here. Feel free to text me. Country, please, and text lines. Wide open to you. 885-3776. 601 number 885-3776. Uh, on this day, October the 18th, 1943, the first broadcast of Perry Mason was presented on CBS radio. Now, the show went to TV in 1957. So how about that? How about that? It had a, what, four, 13, 14 year run as a radio show, Perry Mason did, before it became a TV show in 1957. So that was 53, no, no, I'm sorry, that was 43. 1954, 1954, 1954, this day. The 100th episode of this show aired. I Love Lucy. 100th episode of I Love Lucy, this day, 54. Uh, 
And on this day in 1988, on ABC, we had the premiere of this one. I had a trivia nugget for this show here recently. Roseanne, Roseanne debuted on this day, 1988, on ABC. I would have guessed it had been earlier in the 80s than 88. Yeah. And then the reboot and all that kind of stuff. I haven't seen the reboot. The old one was pretty funny. Yeah, it was a pretty funny show. I used to watch it. Pieces and parts of it here and there. That's what I got pieces and parts from the hearings yesterday in Washington, D.C. Lawmakers, congressmen, hearing arguments and so forth and so on from the NCAA president, Charlie Baker, from uh, people like Walker Jones, who run the collective at Ole Miss, people like Florida gymnast Trinity Thomas, uh, St. St. Joseph's athletics director, Jill Bodensteiner, Ramaji Huma, longtime advocate for college athletes. On and on and on it goes. Here are some of the high points. And then we'll be off on our merry way today. At a Senate hearing. Senate hearing. NCAA President Charlie Baker started shifting the focus of his needs, of college sports needs, toward the possibility of athletes being employees, and away from federal legislation to regulate how they can be compensated for you know, their name, image, and likeness, etc. In other words, one of the things that was going on there yesterday was hammering away at the issue of should or they or should they not be employees. Charlie Baker was there. Uh, Big Ten Commissioner Tony Petiti, Notre Dame Athletics Director Jack Swarbrick weighed in. That's some of the witnesses. This is the 10th hearing they'd had. It was yesterday, by the way. Let me give you some details. Here we go. Baker, he's, by the way, he's the former governor of Massachusetts. He's now the NCAA president. The first thing he did is he told them some of the good stuff the NCAA has been doing here lately. Recent reforms in the NCAA, including more long-term health insurance for athletes, degree completion funds for up to 10 years, and scholarship protections. The last two I didn't know anything about. He also told them they were doing their own thing with coming up with regulations for NIL and all this kind of stuff. But here's what some of the blowback uh, has been. Senator Lindsey Graham from South Carolina, quote, Utah is offering everybody on the team a new truck. <laughs> he said, between the portal and NIL, college football is, an ab- is in absolute chaos. Now, y'all, I'm going to tell you this. I think you have to decide for your own. I'm not someone who can really make a get up on a box here and make a real strong stance, polar ends of this thing one way or the other. Okay, but if you notice... Yesterday, a lot of the media, college sports media, who are 
frankly, they make a living based on how popular college football is. Keep that in mind. And every time that I would see some of these major reporters and stuff at major services, whether it's ESPN or The Athletic or whatever, and they would quote these senators like Lindsey Graham, who would say things like, between the portal and NIL, college football is in chaos. They'll say, nah, no, it's not. The, the TV ratings are good. There's never been more interest. NIL has made it more interesting. Now, look, I guess at this point we just got to think what we're going to think about that because I'm not sure. I'm still not sure about all of it. I would like to think because, I, you know, I like college football too. <laughs> and, and I would like to think that in spite of all this, those of us who thought it was going to take maybe a little bit of a hit in terms of in-stadium attendance and other things, maybe we're wrong about that. You know, I, my, my, my thinking all along was that over a period of time, this was all this stuff, the portal and NIL, was going to ramp up the drop in in-stadium attendance and on-campus attendance, and that might actually have a positive effect on television viewership. It just makes sense. Like, me and you both, okay, if we're not at the game, are we going to watch it on TV? You bet. The games that you have gone to, if you weren't there, would you turn it on TV? Yeah, <laughs> you would. You'd probably watch other games too. If more people stay home in the interim the TV ratings will maybe have a bump from time to time. The key, though, is I'm telling you, we just got to see. We got to see if it happens again. But what I'm telling you is you can't have what they've had for the last 10 years, which is a across the board, across the country, an average declining attendance in stadiums. We're not talking about the teams that have a resurgence like Colorado and a, a blip. We're talking about average across the board of a slight dip in attendance in college stadiums along with fewer people watching the postseason on TV. That's what we've had, and those are major indicators. So anyway, there's your aside on that. By the way, did you know the NCAA is made up of over 1,100 different schools? Hundreds of thousands of athletes, all total. Now, the one who was there and she lobbies on behalf of athletes. She said that only major college football and basketball players should be considered for employment status. Now, that's on the heels. That's on the heels of Baker, the NCAA president said that all the athletes he's talked to from all three NCAA divisions have told him they don't want to be employees of their schools. Well, I wouldn't think so. What must employees do? They must sign contracts that hold them accountable to certain terms as well. They currently don't have to do that. They must pay taxes on their income. They currently don't have to do that in some ways. Why? Give me a reason why an athlete would want to be an employee. Lane Kiffin said it at Media Days. This is not a knock on athletes. They didn't choose this. It just came their way. 
a fortuitous bounce. Lane Kiffin said it at media days. They have never and probably never will in the future have as much leverage in all these negotiations as they have right now. That's college athletes. They do not have to sign contracts. They can leave twice a year anytime they want. They can be in school for five years and play for five teams if the ball bounces right and with an injury. I mean, but – and you can renegotiate and you can just even threaten to put your name in a transfer portal and renegotiate the money that you're getting. It used to be under the table money. Now it's over the table money, labeled NIL, but I mean what it is. It's pay for play. Well, they, they – why would – an athlete that's got that much leverage want to be an employee and give up that leverage. Now, Charlie Baker said that without Congress doing something, Division II and Division III schools might just give up their athletics programs. Now, think about that for a minute. They'd have to be making some serious money off of it to want to keep it unless they have to. And if they don't have to, they'll cut that cost quick and it'll be club sports. That's it for today. More tomorrow, same time, same place here in the Bureau. See you then. For Beaver, I'm Matt, all of us here on the show. See you tomorrow.